0: We're going to make our confession. I know everybody, I, I don't know how to keep everybody up, greet everybody and stay standing and all, say all that at the same time. So if you're seated or standing, let's make this confession together. Here we go. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. And before you're seated, see, we, we expanded the sanctuary chairs. So now it's like, well, where'd everybody go? Well, everybody was never in them to begin with, they were in the closet. But we're believing that somebody's going to be in them. So I want you to reach out toward the chairs that are around you, and let's believe that those people who need Jesus that need to come in here to find him are going to come in Jesus' name. They're coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Amen. Sandy, come and pray for them. We're believing now for a comeback to Jesus. We already have done all this. Now our focus is changing to people. Okay? Everybody say it's all about people now. Yeah, we got the house. We got the chairs. So let's fill it out.
1: Father, we just thank you that your heart is people, that all this is to save your children and bring them home to you. So, Father, we do call the men from the north, south, east, and west. We thank you that they would hunger after righteousness. We thank you, Father, that they would hunger for your love. And when they come here, they would find your love. Let us be an example everywhere we go that people will say, how can you have faith? How can you have hope? How can you continue on? And our answer will be because of Jesus. Jesus lives in me, and you need to know him. So we thank you, Father. They'll come here, even though they don't know why they're coming here. We thank you that they'll be drawn to this place, and they'll find exactly what they need, and they'll know that you're real, they know that you're for them, and they'll know that you have a wonderful plan for their lives, no matter where they are, no matter where they've been, or no matter what they've experienced. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: Everybody say amen, amen, now you can be seated, praise the Lord. Some Sunday I'm going to sit and let you guys stand for the message. (laughs) Uh, Somebody did that somewhere where I was and I thought, wow, I don't want to be them. Uh, Today we're talking about more than enough, this is part four, Uh, we talked about sufficient grace, we talked about more than enough faith, last week it was full assurance of hope and today we're going to talk about wisdom for every decision. And, um, you know, uh, Bill, you know, you said to me one day, wouldn't you like to just get up and preach and just preach whatever God put on your heart rather than go by your notes? And today on my way here, I mean, I am going to share some of my notes, but I'm going to share with you wisdom of God is not what you think. Wisdom of God is not how you see it. How we see things is so finite compared to how God sees things. And when God sees things and he declares things, there is nothing there in the natural. When God saw the earth, it says he spoke and there was light. You know, he spoke. Now, you know, scientists today are still struggling with that. They're still trying to prove the Bible wrong. But God is not wrong. And when God spoke, things came into existence. And so his wisdom is so beyond what we think. You know, we pray. My husband and I pray. You know, others pray. Lord, give us wisdom today. Well, if God gave you His wisdom, like God's given us, my husband and I, some wisdom, it, it, you would be like, don't don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> you know, you'd be like Moses. Uh, you know, send that send somebody else. You would have all kinds of excuses because when God speaks His wisdom, it doesn't line up always with how we could make it happen. And so when Kelly said that today, to be graced is what it's all about in the kingdom of God. It's the grace of God, God's unlimited favor, number one. How many of you need that? (laughs) And number two, it's his ability working through his people. God's God's will and plan for America, for the world, is going to come through people, just like the devil's plans come through people. How many of you know that? you know we don't have evil people we have an evil devil and so the evil devil gets a hold of people who are hurting or have situations and he begins to take control god when we come to jesus by the holy spirit begins to take control of our lives and he wants to impart his wisdom if you look at james chapter 1 it talks about the wisdom of god and uh, i know in in my husband's in my life um We have many times asked God, what do we do? And the answer is not anything like what we thought we would do (laughs) in that situation. And many times it was like people will think we're like, you know, those those crazy charismatics, the weird ones. You know, when we first came back here and started this church, there was nobody really like us that was speaking what we were speaking. Some were teaching some of the things, But I know a lot of people fully expected us to be, you know, throwing snakes on Sunday or running in the aisles for worship or doing really strange things because we're charismatic. You know, it used to be the Pentecostals, but now the Pentecostals have been outdone by the charismatics because the charismatics got crazier than the Pentecostals. I want to tell you, the power of God can look crazy. Uh, We're not going to have snakes here. Please, anybody watching, you can come. We don't have any snakes. But we might do things that you don't think are the normal thing to do. Last Sunday was an example of that. Everybody say, ask God's wisdom. When the end of the service, I had no plan to bring everybody in the whole church in here. And when I heard bring everybody, the first thing I heard was, well, how are the kids going to find their parents? And what's what's Laurel going to say? And what's so-and-so? You know, all this is going 90-mile-an-hour in my brain. Why? Because those are all thoughts that could turn out to have an opportunity. But God said, "Everybody say God said. God said." And so Laurel, she had a really busy group back there, a bigger group than usual. And she said, when the usher came to her and said, "Pastor Pam wants everybody in the sanctuary," she said, "Today." <laughs> <laughs> and she was thinking of all this number of children. You know, she was gonna, and then she, and then. You know, Dan said, we were great because we wait behind the door because we come down early, you know, and wait for dismissal. So he said, we were okay. But then I thought about babies. I thought, you know, they're going to be, that was you. yeah. (laughs) But but Laurel, at the end of the service, I went up to her and I said, now, I just want to tell you, I apologize that you had to come in here, but the Holy Spirit said, bring everybody. Oh, she said, don't worry about it. Let's do it every week. She said, that was just awesome. She said, when I walked through the door, the anointing of God was so strong. Everybody say the anointing. Now, you can't think like an administrator when you hear the Holy Spirit say, move. And so me, being a person who's thinking about all those things, has this warfare while I'm going over here to the Keys to play, but nothing stops what God's going to do. You have to step out in that place. Everybody say God's wisdom. It is not like our wisdom because it has to do with what he's going to do, not what we're going to do. And so when James says this in chapter 1, it says, My brethren, sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete That perfect isn't perfect like we think it's mature. You're mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, how many of us could say that that would be me? I mean, I have things today. All week long I have things. I have never been asked so many questions except by Pastor Bill. He asks a lot of questions. Our whole family knows it. He asks a lot of questions. But he says that's how he grows in his knowledge. But, you know, I've had so many questions that I think, oh God, I mean now serious, I need your wisdom. This is not, this is not like I'm gonna have a lot of time. How many of you have been in situations you lack wisdom and you gotta know right then, right that moment? God's faithful, he'll do it. Let him ask of God. That doesn't say call the pastor. That doesn't say call your best buddy that you pray with. That says you ask God so you know what God's telling you to do. And it says, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. That that's, There's no conditions there. He gives it liberally. That means there's no limit. He will do it, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Everybody say faith. Well, see, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So whatever that wisdom is, if you knew what to do about it, you already would have done it. Is that not right? So if we don't know what to do about it, then we do need to ask for wisdom. But we need to ask him first. Everybody say first. First. And then you may say, well, but I didn't hear him right now. Well, then you don't need to make the decision right now. means you can just wait a little bit because his wisdom will come. And it may come through a person, but not because you called them up and said, what am I supposed to do about this? Oftentimes, it's just because we don't want to be responsible for the results. (laughs) Like, what did you? And then we can say, well, so-and-so said I should have done it, you know, or my husband said that's what we should. I mean, we we can blame it on somebody. This kind of wisdom is between you and God that we're talking about today, and this kind of wisdom is what's going to keep people when they're being destroyed, like the Ukraine. This is the kind of wisdom that says, leave the building." This is the kind of wisdom that says stand still. This is the kind of wisdom that is wisdom that a life can depend upon. But how many of you know, I know, we have to practice before we get in the real thing. You know, you don't do a musical and just say Sunday morning, hey, Aaron, we're going to do a musical this Sunday, get it ready. You practice for a while. In fact, if I said that to him, he'd say, well, I don't know how we would do that. That's because we don't have the, Practice of even trying to do what we think we want to do. And so wisdom from God is so critical. It's got to be by faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Say, I don't want to be unstable. And definitely not in the day we're living in. Um, I believe we're coming to a place, and I see it because we have right now, we have leaders in place that I don't believe in from what I see that's being done are seeking the wisdom of God. They are operating by their own earthly wisdom. Now, as the church, we're not there to talk about how bad a job they're doing. We're the church that's standing in the gap praying for God to somehow intervene and give them somebody who has the wisdom of God to speak into that situation and we have power through prayer to get that done we have power to stop the forces of hell that are trying to come against this nation well the forces of hell are trying to come against anyone who's trying to do the will of God how many of you when you got saved you know things may not have been right and it was just wonderful but then it started to become kind of hard to do what you knew you should do. That's because you're meeting up with the resistance of the enemy to press through, and that takes the wisdom of God. So today, as we're looking at this, this is what it says in Isaiah 55. If you could put that scripture up, I think it's misunderstood a lot and and misquoted. Uh, It's Isaiah uh, Isaiah 55, what verses? Eight through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But then it talks about what his ways, when we do it his ways by his wisdom. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud. And then it goes on in the last verse that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What it's saying is when his, his wisdom brings forth fruit, it brings forth fruit that then can be sown into what's going on. Just for instance, um, we, we've had different things happen here over this time of construction where wisdom would say, do this. But then the Lord, you know, things happen sometimes. That um, the carpet, when it first didn't come in, you know, we were we thought it was the wisdom of God to get that carpet in, but then in the in the midst of the planning, we God just stopped the carpet. I believe He stopped the first round of that carpet because we weren't ready, and there would not have been fruit <laughs> at that point. In fact, the carpet may have had paint on it. Everybody say not good, and so because of other things that were happening. God's wisdom was that needs to be held up. You know, oftentimes when we're walking with God, his wisdom may be to hold us up on something because on the other side of that, there's things we can't see that need to come before that before we can step into what that is. But we're, we're impatient. We? I mean, I'll speak for myself. I get impatient. It's like this is when we said we'd do it, so we be need to be doing it. This whole project I have learned that God's timing is perfect, and his wisdom is perfect for every situation. That's true for where I believe we're going because things that are supernatural don't always make sense to the understanding that we have and even to the gifts that we have, you know, uh, whether it's administrative, whether it's teaching, preaching, God knows what he wants to say. And so I believe that this word, if God's ways are higher, it doesn't say, and you can't know them. It doesn't say that. Although there are people that I've heard preach this that made it like God knows, but you're not going to know. That's just not true. We have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. What are the two main ways we hear from God? Matthew 4.4, let, let us live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That would be the Word of God. And secondly, we have the Holy Spirit, John 16. 13 through 15, it says, I will give you the spirit of truth. Everybody say truth. Well, if you have wisdom, then you have truth. And so I will give you the spirit of wisdom where you will know what the truth is. And even the Holy Spirit, it says, at least Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he's not going to talk about what he thinks. He's going to tell you what the will of God is. So we have two really good ways to hear. And in John chapter 10 Jesus said my sheep hear my voice you know my dad's birthday was yesterday and probably the thing I miss most about my daddy is hearing his voice you know when I'd walk in and I'd hear him say my name or he would sit and talk to me and give me counsel that voice well that's the voice God wants you to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit always talks about the word and God says he'll give you that Liberally, liberally. Now, we have to take time to know the word. We have to be, you know, in a relationship with the Holy Spirit enough that we know when to talk to the Holy Spirit about things. But if we make our life about those two things, then when we begin to move, I am totally convinced. God, if we do make a wrong decision here when we're looking for wisdom, God will fix it. He has fixed so many things. For Pastor Bill and I over the years, I know his wisdom. He His wisdom is follow me, but if you miss it, I'll take care of it. That's God because he loves us. And uh, I think, you know, years ago my husband was uh, over Bible school. I wanted to go to Bible school really bad. I wanted to go to Bible school, but, you know, I had kids in the Christian school. My husband was working as a director of EBI. And I was an assistant to another gentleman that was the administrator, and um, I really wanted to go to VBI. And so I thought, I'm signing up for VBI. Well then, God gave me this scripture in Isaiah 30, woe to the rebellious children. (laughs) I thought, is that me? (laughs) Are you talking to me? (laughs) And it's in Isaiah. Everybody say, the rebellious children. Now, you may not have ever had a rebellious child, and maybe you don't have a rebellious uh, bone in your body. But, you know, uh, when we're not doing what God wants us to do, that's rebellion. I mean, it gets us in a place where the enemy can take advantage of us. And in Isaiah 30, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, who devise plans but not by my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk down to Egypt and have not asked my advice— to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. The children of Israel were always going to find a way for somebody to give them the answer or take care of them or make their life better. How many of you would like that? You know, how if you wake up this morning and somebody tells you everything that's the will of God and you see how beautiful it would be and you just walk in it. That's just not the way this works. We walk by faith and not by sight so we have got to stay connected to him if we're going to walk by faith we're going to need his wisdom all the time well I right away I figured that that could be me because I didn't ask God if he wanted me to go to VBI I just told my husband I want to go to VBI and I proceeded to try to go to VBI well I would have to quit my job well I had worked All the time, while Bill went to Bible school for two years, I worked while my children went through, you know, Christian school. And, you know, I was thinking, well, now maybe it's my turn. Have you ever felt like that? Could be me now. Could be my turn. And uh, I thought, well, we'll be okay. It'll be tight. But I didn't ask God. And I'll never forget it. I was upstairs in this house we had. And the Lord said to me, I didn't call you to go to Bible school. I thought, well, where am I going to learn? He said, haven't I taught you? I thought, oh, I could be in trouble right now. And I said, well, yeah. He said, I'm teaching you to follow me. You hear what they say to confirm what I told you, not to learn. Bill went to Bible school. Some people are supposed to do certain things. Other people are not supposed to do those things. My my training from the Lord was like the school of hard knocks on steroids. (laughs) Because it was at a time in my life where things were not right. And it was very, very difficult. Bible school would have been a lot better school to go to than the school I went through. But I would not trade what I went through because that was the place God put me in. And it wasn't about me. It was about me being where I was supposed to be so my family could be where they were supposed to be. You know, God knows about everything. And he told me when when, when Pastor Bill became a, a pastor and Billy Joe came up and said, I want, I want Pam to be ordained. And I thought, well, I didn't go to Bible school. And he said, I, I want you to be ordained because you're going to walk alongside him. And you are called just like him. Well, I thought I was called as the, you know, the extra person. Not not bad. I didn't mind that role. Thank you Jesus. I was just helping Bill do what he was called to do. But in in being married to Bill because he's such a delegator, I ended up doing things that I never even thought I would do. Uh because he would hear from God, I think I think you need to to preach this Sunday. When he first told me that, I thought I I have no interest in doing that. I mean, I play the piano, and and I led worship. It was Corey Kent's turn to lead worship. See, if you don't have the wisdom of God, you're going to hang on to everything that's yours. This is mine. This is mine. This is what makes me feel good, so I'm hanging on to this. That's not the wisdom of God. And so when it was Corey's turn, honestly, the the whole thing lifted off me. I was thrilled when Corey said, you know, he played keyboard with me for a long time. And then, because he learned the flow of how Pastor Bill was as a pastor, learned it as he flowed with me, then he took over, and I'm telling you, we jumped levels when he took over. It was awesome. And I didn't have to think. I mean, we ended up doing CDs, and I didn't ever dream we would ever do a CD. We did CDs with the most unlikely crew to do a CD, but we did it. How many of you were in that group (laughs) that sang and did all that? Well, but god did it everybody say god did it it was the wisdom of god for our church at that time see the wisdom of god is not about what we think will work it's what god says will work because it's what he wants to do and uh, you know i heard this one night when i woke up i got a lot of good things when i had covid it was not the best physically but it was wonderful spiritually because steroids kept me awake the whole time <laughs> But I heard so many messages, and one of them was, less is more. And God immediately told me about Gideon. Now, you know, Gideon, if you read Judges 6, when God showed up, Gideon was hiding in a hole, whining and complaining about why why they were being attacked all the time and their fields were being burned and all this stuff. And when God showed up, if you look at that story, honestly, It it is the truth of God's wisdom. Because when God showed up, it's in Judges, I think it's chapter 6 or what, what, chapter 6. And so he shows up and he says to him, you mighty man of valor. Well, you know, he thought, well, he must be talking to somebody else because I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm in this wine press and I'm not doing anything I should be doing. And that's not, I'm in the wrong place. I'm in numbers. But in Judges, (laughs) I love this story because I think it's true of all of us because God's wisdom is so much greater than ours. Everybody say, I am valuable to the kingdom of God. Yes, you are and And so today, this is not where I was going to go, but I, this is where I'm going now. Uh, in Judges Six, it talks about Gideon, and he was you know, he was reluctant to be who God called him to be, but God had a plan, and it says... The angel of the Lord came and sat under a tenebeth tree, which is an ophrah which belonged to Joash the Asperite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now listen to Gideon's answer. Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I mean, he's talking to the angel of the Lord, and he's going to rehearse how bad everything is. Now, if an angel of the Lord walked in here today, how many of you would be going, oh, it's so bad. It's bad. <laughs> I mean, I, number one, I don't know if I could talk, but I certainly wouldn't be talking about how bad everything. I don't even know if I could talk, but he did. This is how focused he is on what's happening to him right now. And he says, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now... The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Well, there's reason for all of this, but he's going to talk about how bad it is instead of what would you want with me? The angel of the Lord is standing here. You know what the Lord says to him? He doesn't address any of that. He doesn't even go there. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours." I just told you how bad it is, and you're telling me, you you're not saying, well, you know, so sorry. He's not doing any of that. He says to him right away, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he's like, Me? Remember, I'm not. I'm just Gideon. You know, I'm in this winepress, and things are really bad. And where's God? And he's getting he's getting his orders right now from the Lord. <laughs> and so he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save? He still hasn't got it. Israel, indeed, my clan is weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Kind of sounds like Moses back in the day when God tried to call Moses. You know, All of us feel this way. It's like, who, me? You want me to do that? You know, sometimes God wants us to do things that are so beyond what our natural mind can even believe. And so he says, Uh, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? I'm the least in my father's house. You know what the Lord, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, no, you're not the least in your father's house because you're really the daughter of so-and-so, or son of so-and-so. And And he doesn't make an explanation of any of that. He says, surely I will be with you and you will defeat the the, the Midianites as one man. In other words, he doesn't even think about what, Gideon is thinking about. He doesn't even respond to what Gideon is thinking about. He tells him what God's thinking about. Are you hearing that? And so, when, when our response, when God says to do something, if it goes to what about me? What abouts happening to me? Then we're getting out of where we're going to get the wisdom of God. Is it that God doesn't care what's happening to us? No. But if if Gideon does what God's telling him to do. They're going to prosper. They're gonna, they're, they are going to defeat what's coming against them. And so he, he ultimately does. He does some fleeces before the Lord. And in the end, he does do what God has called him to do. But before he does it, God says, bring all the people. So he brings all the people. And when he gets all the people there, uh, God says to him, uh, the people who are with you are too many for me. I mean, you can't take this many people to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, "My own hand has saved me." Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, "Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart and at once and go back." Twenty-two thousand of the people returned, but ten thousand remained. Now, this is the guy who says, "We got all these problems, and now you've told me I'm going to do it by one man, me. You're going to do this." And I had 32,000 people, and now I have 10,000 because you said those people had to go home. I mean, I'm going to need all those people. How many of you are getting this today? When it's God's wisdom, it doesn't always make sense. Everybody say, less is more. (laughs) But why? Because this is going to have to be done by faith and not by sight. And so in the end, he said, now take them to to the water. Now this this one, you know, this, this isn't a normal thing you do, just like marching around Jericho isn't normal. This is not normal wisdom. He said, Everyone who laps from the the, the water f- with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, in other words, they were still looking up, they pulled the water up to themselves, those people are the people that he would take. And those who, who bent down and drank from the water, they didn't get to go. In the end, he has 300 people, 300 out of 32,000. And if you read that chapter, it is a phenomenal miracle of God what happens. They absolutely win that battle, absolutely win it. And God said, you can't take all those people because they're going to take the glory instead of giving it to me. That was really the whole root reason of that situation. God's wisdom is so far beyond ours. When when Pastor Bill and I were in Tulsa, we were really enjoying life. I mean, we we worked in a church that was exciting. We had hardships sometimes. But we. my husband said, we will never leave here. I mean, we love working for Pastor Billy Jones here. This is where we belong. Today I want to say this to you the call of God for your life, the wisdom of God for your life is beyond what you see right now. And we were very content. My husband loved what he did. Uh, You know, we didn't, he, he really was director of lots of areas, pastoral care, Bible school, and things like that. I was like working for him in an office. I was an administrator. I did nothing musically, nothing that we were about to do. And, The Lord told us, you need to go back to where you had all the giants in the land, where we'd made all our mistakes. And he said, you get to go back there and start a church. We had no money. Lori was going to be a senior in high school. You just don't do that to a senior in high school. That's what most people would say. You cannot take your child and move them when they're a senior in high school. That's just not wisdom. You know, that's from people who are spiritual but don't know the wisdom of God for your situation. So we, we had no money. We still had debt. I mean, if you had a list of why you go and start a church, all our checks would be on the wrong side of the page. He was 48. I was 44. We had two kids that had graduated and one that was the senior. One was in college, the other, well, one was in a junior college, one was in, in ORU. Uh, and, you know, they were trying to figure out who they were, so they they needed their mother to stay there and make sure they did the right thing. But God said, no, you get out of here, I'm going to take care of this. Well, he did, hallelujah. My My oldest son, when we left there, was... Wearing cowboy hats, cowboy boots, telling me he was a waiter in a restaurant and he was by people known in the city as the number one uh, bartender <laughs> in all of Tulsa. And God says, You need to go to, to Lafayette. If I did I probably should have said, Yes, please. But I didn't <laughs> because I thought he needed me. He needed me. My, they needed me. You know, I'm telling you, God has purpose. For us, beyond what is comfortable, beyond what we see, the call of God on your life—it may not be to go start a church—but the call of God in your life is above everything else. And so, Pastor Bill and I packed up. He was in a U-Haul truck. We, thank goodness, Pastor Doherty, the church gave us a thousand dollars because Pastor Bill forgot to budget the driver, the truck. We didn't have a way to get our stuff here. We had no building. Sue found us a building. We didn't have any money. And the guy that was the banker upstairs gave us $500. And that was the first month rent. So we gave it back to him. (laughs) Hallelujah. We lived in my parents' house for like six months with my mom and dad. Bill said, we will never live with your parents. I wished he wouldn't have said that because then we, that's what we did. But my daddy got all up in the things of God and my mom. It was like they were doing it with us. It was God. It was not comfortable. It was not what we thought. But it was the wisdom of God to do what you're sitting in today. This happened because my husband was faithful to what God said for us to do. And I didn't argue because I had heard Lafayette way before he did. But when it came down to getting in the truck, I was not very (laughs) sure of it. And then we sent Lori back to Tulsa for her senior year. Now, this is how God is. I went out there to visit because my son John and his wife had a baby. And the pastor's wife of the church said, I think you need to take Lori back with you. I think she would be better back with you. And I had felt that, but you know, you have a daughter who wants to stay. So Lori graduated from two high schools. Because she had enough credits, she graduated from out there. I brought her back. I will never forget the day she comes home. Well, mother, you brought me back here to be beat up by some girls. I thought, what? Some girl didn't like her at the school at West Side and was gonna beat her up. John Hughes rescued her. That was somebody who was in our church back then. I mean, I said, God, I mean, are we on track here? Next thing I know, my son comes back with a baby and his wife. They move in. I thought, wow. (laughs) Here comes what I left. (laughs) Right back. (laughs) But in all of that, everybody say, in all of that, I wouldn't trade any of that. Were there opportunities? Yes, there were big opportunities. We were believing money for the church, believing money for us, believing for a place to live. And we're up here, Pastor Billy's up here saying I Expect a Miracle. So I sang I Expect a Miracle with his ex-wife, his son, a new baby to dedicate two Sundays after we started the church. I expect a miracle (laughs) today. I mean, this is the way it really was, folks. And today, look what God's doing. Not because of us, not nothing to do with us, because of the wisdom of God. But somebody has to obey. And today, I believe God's going to start asking people in this church to obey what it is. It's not what we need to do, it's what God needs done. That's what it's about. And these chairs are going to be filled. A lady was in church last week who came to our church on Earl several years ago. She said, we just moved back from Tennessee. And I recognized her. And I went back to talk to her. She said, do you remember when you prayed for my son? He got healed at the altar. And I I didn't remember that. I mean, I, I didn't remember. But she looked around the room. She said, we came here today thinking, I hope this is the victory that used to be on Earl. And when she came, she said, because I, I wanted that, to be in that anointing. And then she said to me, she turned, it was like she was prophesying, this room will be totally filled. The people will not be able to get in. The anointing, she said, it's greater than when I was here before. That's not because, that's because people said, okay, God, here we are. We're opening up this place. You have your way in it. That's because of all of you. That's not just because of us. That's because this church is built on love, acceptance, and forgiveness, which was what God said. And when you do what God says, and the people get a hold of that, the anointing of God escalates in the room. Amen? Let's stand today. I'm going to pray for you. This was not my message for today, so maybe I'll (laughs) part of it, but not all of it. But less is more just means to me. What you're counting on to make it be okay for you to do what you're called to do is not going to be the answer. The answer is us doing what God says to do when he says to do it. And I believe God's put dreams in people's hearts here today. I believe that song that we sang earlier when it says, I'm dreaming, I'm singing, you know, I'm full of your grace. That's what it takes. It doesn't take our ability. just takes our availability for God. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you, Lord, that in this house and those watching today, if you're out there, I believe God wants to do new things in our lives, in our hearts. I, I believe he has things he, he's had in mind for us for a long time. And, and this is the time. Maybe this isn't the time for the fulfillment of the total dream, but it's time to take the next step toward that dream. And, and, and believe again. Believe again. By faith. We've talked about grace. we talked about faith. we talked about hope. Now you can hear the wisdom of God. If all those things get put into motion in your life, then you can hear. This is the wisdom of God beyond what I could do and I could say just like Gideon well this is not right this is not right this is not right this is not right but today let our ears hear what the Holy Spirit is saying let our eyes see what God sees Holy Spirit you are welcome here today I just want to pray over you that the God I'm listening to a song the God of Jacob the God of Isaac God of Abraham, he's still the same God, he is the same today and he is ready to do miraculous things through every one of your lives it may be the miracle in your home for enough money to get a house, it may be a miracle for you to to be able to to put your children in in things that you'd like to do that right now you just can't do But, but you release your faith for that Because God says, that's what I want for them. That's what I want for you. And I am able to make it happen. If you'll just operate in what I say to do. I pray for every person in here today, Lord, that their heart would be open, that their their mind would be cleared of clutter, things of the past. I, I thank you, Father, that today we can release the past. So that we can take hold of the future, even to take hold of today and not live with those thoughts of the past or what was or what could have been or what should have been, but that the wisdom of God would begin to take over. I bind double-mindedness. I bind fear. I bind the lies of the devil, that when this gets to be okay, then I'm going to do what God said. No, we're going to do what God said, and it'll get to be okay. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for you today if you have a dream. And this message, you know, is an encouragement for you that you can let go and let God in that situation. Would you lift your hand if that's you? You have dreams. You know what you, know what you feel in your heart. Yeah. See your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you right now that if there's anything that's holding that back, in Jesus' name, I loose them from that confusion, uh, worry excuses, things that that really are real in the natural, but they have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. You are much greater than those. I lose them to be able to dream and to step into that, to walk into that without fear, without doubt or unbelief in their heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you today by the power of God, by the Spirit of the Lord, that you are dropping dreams right now into people's hearts things they've thought about, but then they've thought, ah, I can't do it, or it won't happen. How can I fix it? This has nothing to do with us except, yes, Lord, I will be the vessel. I will be the one. In Jesus' name, I believe that for every person in here. Lord, I know you have so much to do, and every person in this church has a call on their life to do something for you right now, right now, not in five years, not 10 years, not next year. In Jesus' name, I loose them to go and be, to go and do what you have called them to do. And if you're watching today or you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord for your life, that's number one above all things because that is where the power and the anointing come from. We have more than enough power to do what we need to do. We have more than enough grace, we have enough faith, we have more than enough, more than enough to do whatever we're called to do with Jesus. But the Word of God says, without him I can do nothing. So today, we're gonna make a confession in this congregation that says, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And if you've never received Jesus, today you can receive Jesus. Or you can come back to Jesus if you've walked away. Is there anybody here today that you would say, I've I've walked away, I've messed up. But with all my heart, I really want to do the right thing. Or maybe you've never really said, Jesus, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you lift your hand? We want to pray with you today before you go. And we're all going to pray with you. You won't do it by yourself. You never have to do it by yourself. God is always there. Okay, let's, let's all pray today. And if you're watching, and this is you if, you, if you'll call us here at Victor Christian Center, it's Victory Lafayette, or West Lafayette now, but victorylafayette.org is the email. Our number is 765-447-777, and we are waiting for your call. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now as we pray anybody who prays with us and never received Jesus that you will come in and you will make it real to them i know you'll come in to their heart but show them you're there i ask it in jesus name let's pray father thank you for jesus thank you that he died for my sins thank you lord that in your kingdom i am valuable i want to fulfill my part in the kingdom of god i want to do what you want me to do i thank you that you saved me forgive my sins and help me to walk the life i was supposed to live help me to walk today and tomorrow in the light of your word you are my lord you are my savior and I am your vessel. So use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give him praise today. Hallelujah. We're going to make our confession. If you can help us Wednesday night, uh, we're getting ready for Easter. Uh, it's, it's very late this year, April 17th. Uh, be in agreement with us. This, this carpet you can have for your living room by the end of March. So if you're planning to remodel, here it is, right here. And the chairs that are supposed to take 10 weeks, that somebody somewhere has decided to get those done quicker, in Jesus' name. I'm believing for it, I'm believing, I'm standing. I'm saying, come on, come on, move us to the front of the line. But I know other people need them as well, but I I don't mind if we had to do green chairs, but we are not doing flower carpet on Easter Sunday morning. Amen. The new carpet is very pretty. And when this is all done to God be the glory. Amen. It to God be the glory. By the way, we still have more than enough. We're moving right along. The bills came in this week and we're still here today. Praise Jesus. We didn't have to shut the doors (laughs) and there's still more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. It's coming in on every wave. Amen. Amen. Let's say this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing my labor is not in vain. Amen. Go and be blessed. Amen.